It's time for the two-minute drill with Joe Ostrowski and Joe Giglio on BetQL Daily. We are presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, hanging out with you on this Wednesday morning. Follow us on Twitter at BetQL Daily, at BetQL Daily. We bring in our executive producer, Paul Aspen. We've got all these news and notes going on in the National Football League, and Paul has some topics ready for us. What do you say, Paul? All right, guys, we'll throw two minutes on the clock for each topic. Got your thoughts and if it'll affect how you guys look at these teams through a betting lens going into the season. And we will start with the New Orleans Saints. Michael Thomas, there are some next team odds out there. Saints still the heavy favorite. He's unhappy with his situation there. They're unhappy with the fact he didn't get offseason surgery. We'll tie that into the Saints. They lost another a DB. Um, Patrick Robinson retired. So I know you guys aren't exactly high on the Saints, but does this change how you look at them even more? Two minutes on the clock. Go. All right, I'll go. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Come on, dreams can come true, right? Can we do the Sean Payton tank? Can we do that? Come on, possibly. I know earlier in the offseason they were eighty-five to one to have the worst record. I don't know that that's going to happen, but the Saints are on the way down. Michael Thomas wants out. If he does make his way out, their wide receiver one is probably going to be Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith, Smith, and uh, we don't know about the quarterback position either. Is it Taysom? Is it? Jameis, so why not? Yeah, I don't know. I, I have I have a lot of concerns about the Saints team, even though at the top end, it's a lot of returning talent. Yeah, I feel worse. Um, and, and look, he, he's such an important part of what they do offensively. And I, I thought when Drew Brees was there, or even you know just last year, they, they kind of got around it. Their defense was so good, and they can move the ball in different ways. But, man, if, if you're taking away a receiver of this caliber away from Jameis Winston, it's going to be a problem because we know that guy will force the ball into, into places he shouldn't and turn the ball over. This Saints season, I, I know it's we have to respect what Sean Payton does. Yeah. That, they're in trouble. It just it just feels like they're going in the wrong direction. Under nine feels like a hammer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 45 seconds left. Next team Michael Thomas will play for. Uh, a snap for Saints, minus 667. Dolphins, plus 450. Ravens, plus 600. Colts or Chiefs, plus 1,200. Packers, Jags, plus 1,500. Joe G, we'll start with you. 35 seconds left. Any of those interesting? Jaguars are interesting. Uh, his former coach, for Ohio State coach, uh, Urban Meyer there. They could use one more weapon for the young quarterback. They can afford a receiver. I go Jags. Yeah, I'd have to look at the money, but I would go Baltimore because they are looking to add on the outside Again and again and again. So if you can add Michael Thomas, that would really do something there. So as the third, yeah, third favorite, six to one, not terrible. All right, moving on. Kyle Shanahan will not reveal his plans, his quarterback plans for the preseason. Does this impact your thinking at all about whether Trey Lance will start week one or you're thinking on the Niners at all? Two minutes on the clock. Joe G, we'll start with you. Go. Yeah, so it impacts my thinking a little bit. I, I still believe this is Garoppolo's job. I, I still believe he's going to start the season and eventually it goes to Trey Lance. But I, I saw a quote from Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe a little more revealed than uh, than Kyle Shanahan would, where Garoppolo, and I'm paraphrasing here, talked about how you know they've seen what the Saints have done in recent years. And, and he was referring to Taysom Hill. Now, obviously, Trey Lance is going to be better than Taysom Hill and a bigger part of this. He's going to take his job eventually. But that might be a glimpse into how Shanahan does it. Perhaps we're going to see Trey Lance kind of in that Taysom Hill role early in the season before he becomes a starter. I think he's going to play, but I think Garoppolo is still the starter to start the season. Well, why would he reveal anything? These quarterbacks know the scenario. They've talked about it again and again and again, I'm sure, behind the scenes. And maybe he says uh, the quarterback plays the best in the preseason slash camp. 
ends up winning the job. But why would he reveal it? It makes no sense. So you, you give teams a heads up and they're going to start studying everything Trey Lance because they know that he's 100% going to be the guy. I assume that the, the opposition in the division is assu- is believing that it's going to be Garoppolo to start the season. Maybe there's a package for Trey Lance and he's going to enter at some point. So you would guess maybe one time you'll face Garoppolo, maybe one time you'll face Lance, but there's no upside in revealing this. Just hearing these rumblings about Lance makes me think it's definitely going to be Jimmy Garoppolo just because of how Kyle Shanahan plays it. However, I will make the case that if you're going to go Lance, if that's the plan, just go with him from the start. You plan on being one of the few teams remaining. Why not give him as many reps as possible? Soft start to the season. Detroit and Philadelphia. And then it really ramps up come week three. But uh, if you're waiting on that bye, which some head coaches love to do, that's week seven and coming off the bye. Uh, actually, that's week six. And then off the bye, they've got week seven, Indianapolis. All right. Just before the clock, moving on, staying in the division, Russell Wilson says he's open to restructuring to create cap room for some of his teammates. Dwayne Brown, left tackle unhappy. Jamal Adams, he's unhappy. Does their either their unhappiness or the fact that Russell says he'll create some cap room for them or open to it, especially after he was unhappy this offseason, does any of that impact how you view the Seahawks heading into the season? Well, they need Jamal Adams on the field. I mean, that, that, so whatever gets him on the field makes me feel better about Seattle. They, they've built that team so strangely in recent years where they have so much money tied up in you know, a handful of players. They've hit a couple, obviously, you know, the, the DK Metcalf. They've hit a couple of great draft picks. But for the most part, it's a veteran team. It's a veteran team that relies on those high-priced veterans to win for them. I don't care where the money comes from. Joe, they need to get Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown on the field. Otherwise, they're cooked in, in this division. They cannot survive without those two guys if they're holding out or money or whatever. So, you know, good on Russell Wilson. I mean, the guy obviously wants to win. who's yelling and complaining all offseason. Yeah, help the team out. No, he wasn't. Hands well, up, man. Yeah, wasn't right. me. No. Here's the list. I didn't make the list, but here's the list. FYI. This is one of the most confounding teams I've learned, and I think many betters have learned. When it comes to Seattle Seahawks, you got to learn to walk away. Maybe you don't have a strong grasp on this team. I'm never going to bet they're over, but I'm also not going to bet they're under. I'm just going to sit, sit on the sideline and watch what happens. Why is someone always unhappy with Seattle? I understand this happens throughout the league. It's always a storyline, especially around this time of the year. Superstar players or top-end players unhappy with current deals, especially with the NFL and the way it's set up. Fine. But every year, something's going on with Seattle. Russell Wilson, usually not the guy. And it just outside of this, the unhappy players, new OC, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what the plan's going to be. They usually have one offensive game plan for the first half of the season and a different one in the second half of the season. Which Russell Wilson are we going to see? The defense. Same thing last year. One of the worst defenses of all time. In the first half of the season, they were competent in the second half. Which defense are they? I have no idea what to expect from uh, from Seattle this season, but I will say I'd be very frustrated if I was a fan because in the end, we might see Russell Wilson's career. And what do you have in the end? All right, moving on. The Chiefs. So their offensive line reworked it, but it's already taking hits. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, he opted out last year as a frontline worker to fight COVID. Uh, he suffered a broken bone in his hand out four to six weeks. Joe O, you mentioned yesterday Kyle Long as well. Will he even 
you know, stay healthy if he's in the mix on that O-line. They brought him in. With this injury and the Chiefs remade O-line, does it change at all how you're viewing them heading into the season, Joe? Oh, we will start with you. I understand why this makes waves. I understand why people are talking about it because the most talented roster with the best quarterback in the world completely revamps the offensive line. They're going to have a rookie or two starting there bring a guy out of retirement, make a trade for a tackle, move on from another guy in Fisher. I get it. I understand why this uh, makes waves. But the injury we're talking about, I think he's going to be a backup. Like just think about uh, Nick Allegretti. He's a local guy from the area where I live. Uh, went to Illinois, and he was a starter last year. Well, he's a backup now. Look at the depth that they have. I, I'm not concerned. I get it. Chiefs offensive line injuries, big storyline last year. was probably one of the biggest reasons they end up losing the Super Bowl. But this is a big fat zero to me in week one of the preseason. Yeah, what it for me is it's it's watch out for the Chiefs to start slow. I don't think this affects big picture, but their offensive line is all new and the depth is, is now banged up a little bit here. Right? I, I could see a slow start for the Chiefs. I would wait and then jump on if their totals or the Props change a little bit, especially for the Super Bowl, for the AFC. I think you might be able to get value after week five. They could start slower. Andy Reid teams usually do. Then they get hot, and there's no looking back. Glad you brought up week one, Joe G, their opponent, the Browns, six-point underdogs in that game. So kind of looking at that game through both lenses, the Chiefs and the Browns, but does Odell Beckham Jr. and his potential availability in week one impact how you look at that game at all? A little bit. I mean, I can't say it doesn't. I mean, I'm not saying Odell Beckham Jr. is moving the line. It's a significant part point at this point of his career off of the injury. But, look, him and Baker Mayfield have never seemed to be on the same page. And what's interesting is, you know, first glance, you're like, well, the Browns have a better chance if Odell Beckham Jr. is out there. He's a really talented wide receiver. He can make a game-changing play. But I thought Baker played better without him last year. I really did. And I thought the offense flowed. He found the open guy. He ran the offense. He didn't try to force the ball to Odell. And I just wonder if he's out there, Joe, does Baker try to rekindle that connection, get him the ball early, and it takes the Browns kind of out of their rhythm? That's not what that offense is supposed to be. Hit the open guy, especially off of play action. We have more intel than ever before on the value of specific players. And the case you just made makes me believe, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Their offense was good last year. They were, they were run heavy, and maybe they want to go more with the pass, put more on Baker, see what he could handle this season. But does Odell Beckham matter? We talk about it leading into the week and, and say, hey, is he worth anything to the point spread? I think we learned last season, this guy, no, on this team, he means nothing. He means nothing. nothing. And I, I just preparing for our Giants segment we're going to do later on the show when we preview the Giants and Eagles season, I was thinking about this with Saquon. Did he really matter that much? Without Saquon, if he's 100% healthy, and that's the storyline when you turn on ESPN and they're on NFL Live or NFL Network and they're at camp and they're talking about the Giants, the first thing they're saying is Saquon Barkley. The first thing they should be saying is Daniel Jones. It should be first, second, and third. But these guys that we perceive as star players, we go on and on about them and the injury status and how much they matter. I think we've learned they don't matter a whole lot. It's well, all about the quarterback and the offensive line. That's it, the offensive line, right? Yeah. People are going to make the deal that make the, the connection – that uh, Beckham helps Mayfield. Barkley helps Jones. Guess what? Those offensive lines help those guys. Why did yeah. Why did Baker make the jump? His offensive line is great. Why is Daniel Jones still stuck in the mud? He might not be that good, but his offensive line also Stinks. is very good. Yeah, that's the Stinks. problem. 
All right, another AFC West team, my Broncos, and this is setting up exactly how we all thought. You're still, you're still doing that, huh? I mean, I put it down. Would I'm you not... like to burn that ticket right now? I have fifteen to one the AFC to win the AFC West. I'll hold on to that. The That's Super not Bowl. the worst. There were people that were buying twenty to one Super Bowl. Right, huge closing line value for me. Put that trophy <laughs> on always the mantle. Uh, so Drew Locke's going to start the first preseason game. Teddy's going to start the second preseason game. According to Vic Fangio. Uh, I mean, this is exactly who we think they're going to be, right? Gross. Yeah, look, Vic Fangio is going to play this close to the vest. They may give Drew Locke one more shot. I'll call it right now. Drew Locke has two interceptions he's allowed if he's a starter this season. Two. And then we're going to see Teddy run on the field. Like, there's just no way a defensive team's going to let a, a former second-round pick quarterback ruin their season. At least Teddy Bridgewater will be careful with the football. And I feel like a defensive coach, he's going to love that. My guy's Brett Rippon. That's my guy. It's just so strange to me. It's so strange. They keep adding on. De- like, you've got a good defense. You've got Vic. You're bringing in Fuller, and then you're going to draft another. Why do you keep adding on defense? Hey, let's keep adding at wide receiver. Cool. I love Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. I think they're terrific talents. I think Hamler's going to be a player. But why? <laughs> not fix the real position the real problem i guess they get some credit for bringing in teddy because they're trying to fix the problem but we know what teddy bridgewater is at this stage in his career likable guy but he's not going to give you average quarterback play he might flash for a couple games and people will be excited hey with this defense if teddy could turn back the clock a little bit they might be all right but no man no they, they need to be adding two to three quarterbacks every single year, and they're not doing it. I don't understand why teams refuse to do it. Are we going towards a trend after watching Brady move in free agency and all these star quarterbacks ask their way out? Are teams going to build it backwards now? Is this what Washington and Denver and Carolina are trying to do? We'll get everything else. They did and, it with Peyton. And D- Denver did it with Peyton. And then yeah. we'll figure out which free agent or which veteran quarterback wants out, and boom, we plug him in. Let's go win a Super Bowl. Let me ask you this. How good are the Broncos if Phillip Rivers is there? I'd pick them to go to the playoffs. I think I would too. I they'd be the playoffs. They'd be the last I'd pick yeah. them as my last wildcard team. I mean, they could win yeah. seven like they are right now. They're not going to be a three-win team. It's just that they can't get over that hump and go win, you know, 10, 11. No, no can't. Man. I lo- their roster's so good, but it's so frustrating because they don't have a quarterback. Yep. I'll throw one more at you. We're under 90 seconds until we hit the break. But Jeff Okuda, uh, Dan Campbell, our guy, saying he's playing like a bad <laughs> dude in his second year after a disappointing working mm-hmm. campaign. Lions? We in on the Lions? I'm all in on the Lions. I, I can't wait to all in. Everything about this Dan Campbell thing, I just I can't look away. Now, am I going to bet them to win games most of the time? <laughs> no. But I am watching. I am paying attention. Just can we put Dan Campbell in front of a microphone every single day on NFL Network? It's all I'm asking for. If Okuda mm. being good would be big for them. It's a high pick, and they need him to be good. Uh, are you willing to step out and say that Okuda over Justin Herbert was a bad move? Uh, that yeah, that one might go down as <laughs> it's, it's in Lions lore. Yeah, you knew what you were doing. Why? Yeah, he better be good. He better be good. We talked a little bit about this off the air, and I think we were doing it tongue in cheek. But I'm serious. If they're close to 500 every Monday, every NFL show is going to be talking about Dan Campbell. Maybe that's not the craziest thing, Coach of the Year. Uh, maybe it is. It's crazy. All right.
Joe O and Joe G, this is BetQL Daily coming up next. Uh, how, do you, how do you play Survivor? What are some strategies? We'll discuss that. This is BetQL Daily presented by FanDuel Sportsbook.